everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. Click. This is a podcast about fan fiction. Usually each one of us brings an individual fic to discuss, but today's episode is a very special birthday episode. Ooh. Pew pew pew. <laughs> this time we are celebrating host Nick's birthday, so they will be bringing all three fan works that we're discussing this episode. Um, if you listened to last episode, my birthday, you'll be familiar with this format. Honestly, our birthday episodes are one of my favorite things on Fic Click, so I'm really excited for this. Nick, what are your picks? Yes, my picks for this episode are Like the Stars Right Here, Director's Cut by AO3 User Unconscious. This is for Stray Kids Band. It is a Chan slash Felix fic, technically. We'll talk about that more. Um, I'm very excited to say that we have a guest for this discussion. So your friend and mine, Kate, will be joining us. Maybe she's not your friend. <laughs> she's my friend. <laughs> um, and we will get to hear from her about what she thought about this fix and fandom stuff in general. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're doing guests for birthdays this year. If you missed last time, we had Avery Tree on the pod and it was fantastic. So get hyped for that. Uh, the next fic that I'm bringing is called Meditations by Chantress, Greedy Dancer, Jet Pods, Lena Lollipop, and The Lord of La Mancha. This is for the Witcher, all media types. Uh, it's Jen. It is a pod fic, and it is soundscaped meditations from the POV of different characters. Really, really wonderful, lovely, creative fic, so I'm excited to talk about that. And my last pick is Hunters Seeking Solid Ground by Attila. This is a fic for the Untamed. The pairing is... Lan Wangji Wei Wuxian, and it is a post-canon kind of coda about trauma and leaning on other people. And it's going to be wonderful. I'm very excited about all of these three fan works, and I think they represent a pretty good spread of me as a fanish person. If you listened to Brenna's birthday episode, you already will know how this goes. Um, but if you didn't, we decided that it would be fun to pair each of the fan works uh, in a birthday episode with some sort of like food or beverage or snack or just dining experience. Um... Yeah, we had some, uh, we had a wide array for Brenna's fic choices, so I'm excited to see what we've all decided would go well with Nick's birthday fic choices. I can start if you want. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm just, we'll just all do the first fic and then we'll do the second one and then we'll do the third. Okay. Fantastic. I'm pretty sure that's what we did last time. I think it so. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so for Like the Stars Right Here Director's Cut, um, my suggested pairing is grapefruit juice to drink because I've only tried it once and it was so bitter. I was so sad. <laughs> I was like, this tastes like dish soap, but it looks so beautiful and like pink. <laughs> this is not a slight against the story at all. It's a fantastic story, but it is my, um, you'll understand if you've read it. And then for the food consumable, it's tiramisu um, because it seems like it would be really good and quite sweet, but I don't do coffee. Um, mm. <laughs> this makes it seem like I didn't like the fic. I loved it. You'll you'll understand. You'll understand later. So grapefruit juice and tiramisu. Thank you. I love tiramisu, but I feel like those two things would really taste bad together. <laughs> Ooh. Symbolic. Yeah, mine is also going to make it seem like I didn't enjoy the fic. I did. But again, ficlets, you just have to bear with us. <laughs> it's the experience, okay? Um, again, as with last time, I sort of uh, took my own track with this prompt. 
Um, you know, like when you're at a restaurant and you're deciding between two meals and you're like, ooh, do I want like the pasta or the chicken? You go like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then you pick one and then the meals come out and then the meal that you get, you're like, mm. like, I really wish I had gone with the other one. It's like what you're getting is like, it's not, it's not like awful, right? Like it's not like the most dissatisfying thing in the world, but you're just kind of sitting there like, this could have been better. I could have made a better choice. Yeah. That is the food experience I'm evoking with this fic. I wouldn't have had to choose the pasta if the chicken had chosen me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the chicken was telling telling me that it wanted me this whole time? That's not my problem. Um, I think my choices for this are going to make it seem like I really like this fic. Oh, nice. I, did. Um, I feel like because this fic is kind of melancholy and a little bit bittersweet, it made me want like foods, like kind of comfort foods, like mm. things I crave a lot. These might seem like weird comfort food picks, but I guess they're just like thing, like some of my favorite foods, um, my most craveable foods. <laughs> so I'm going with jasmine milk tea with boba nice. as the drink and McDonald's French fries <laughs> as the food portion. Wow, three round meals for our yes. Look, my intention with this concept was never that it would be a meal. It True. was just like a pairing. It was a pairing. Yeah. It was sort of more intended to be snacky. We're like sommeliers. Because I feel like when I sit down with I a fic... I was just going to say we're like sommeliers. <laughs> we are thick sommeliers. Yeah. Aside from the three of us coming up with a pairing, much like last episode, we also asked our guest to come up with a pairing for this fic. Yeah, my, <laughs> my pairing is um, cheap champagne that you could drink out of the bottle without anybody side-eyeing you. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much in this fic about like celebration, but it's kind of wretched, where you're like... I refuse to celebrate this life milestone with you. I'm going to be sad instead. Or like, I'm at this wedding celebrating and I kind of feel like yeah. I'm dying inside. It's my party and I'll cry and if I will cry to. if I want to. <laughs> and then for food, um, Korean convenience store ramyeon, where you actually eat it in the convenience store sitting out looking uh, at like a rainy street um, because of the like, just drop it, Jisung scene. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. That's way better than anything we came up with. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, okay. The next work that we're going to be talking about is meditations. And my thought for like what you could consume alongside the meditations is like moonshine. Oh. And then it doesn't really matter what you eat because you're not going to have remembered. <laughs> uh, okay. So my reasoning in part is because I just feel like, I don't know, I'm not, I haven't done anything in relation to The Witcher. I haven't played the game. I haven't read the books. I haven't seen the show. But I imagine that there's a lot of alcohol happening, as there is in all sort of like, I don't know why my my brain The Witcher is just D and D, like in a D and D setting. I mean, you're not that kinda, far off. Not, not that. I should say in European fantasy settings, there tends to be a lot of drinking. So I figured that's part of it, and then also like the meditations themselves are a break from the harshness of reality. So in a bleak way, that's the same as drinking a lot of moonshine. That's my pairing. Thank you. I wouldn't recommend this to the ficlets, though. <laughs> the first time in my life I ever drank a lot of moonshine, I uh -huh. then um, hooked up with a girl who I dated for like a year. So maybe drinking oh, nice. a lot of moonshine can be good. Actually. <laughs> maybe we do recommend that to the ficlets then. <laughs> no, okay. Fic Ficlet does not condone that, though. <laughs> um. Yeah. The experience of, of listening to the meditations is like really like 
it's a reset, right? For like your body and for your mind, you feel refreshed. Um, and I thought, what is the most refreshing thing I can think of? And this has happened to me twice now where um, I have put my body through too much and not hydrated it enough and then gotten a blue Gatorade and drank it in a parking lot. And it was akin to a religious experience. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and like there is just nothing that hits better than a blue Gatorade when you have not had enough to consume. And I just feel like you could listen to the meditations and then have a blue Gatorade and your whole body would feel refreshed. Yeah, I very much agree that a blue Gatorade can be akin to a religious experience. Yeah. Um, I was just going very, like, witchery with this. Like, what I imagine is a common meal in the Witcherverse. Um, and, like, I feel like in some of the meditations, there's sounds that felt like I was in sort of a tavern or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going with, like, a, a bowl of something like minestrone soup. Um, oh. Just, like, a very hearty stew kind of soup um probably some chunky bread and like some sort of red wine i don't like red wine personally but i think it's what i would serve with this um to you i thought you were gonna person. say like a turkey leg or something <laughs> no i like i definitely think like soup i don't not like not we're not like at medieval times here <laughs> we're just in some quaint little village tavern yeah no i understand <laughs> excellent well, thank you, Brenna. Um, for hunters seeking solid ground, um, again, I always interpret these uh, in my own way. And for hunters seeking solid ground, I was thinking about like what I would have as like a very comforting little like depression snack, uh, because I feel like that's kind of needed in this case uh, for these particular guys, especially one of them, as we'll as we'll discuss. Um, so I actually also had thought of red wine, but I imagined red wine in like a uh like a cardboard cup like you had your coffee out of it that morning and you like you just rinse it out and you're like whatever this is what i have available <laughs> so that and then like one of those um like microwave mac and cheese cups that's my suggested pairing for this fic i'm so sorry attila you're like beautiful elegant fic and i've created something horrible but like that's what they pay me the big bucks to be on this show for so yeah well, luckily for the ficlets, if they are trying to attempt any of these pairings, I think I have a better one to offer you. Um, yeah, Wei Wuxian but not an fic easier one. Well, it's not difficult, I don't <laughs> think. Anyway, what I have for you is um, Wei Wuxian does a lot of time like resting and in bed in this fic. Um, and I was thinking like, if you were winding down for an evening, what would be like a nice, comforting little evening thing to consume? And it's a tea of your choice and shortbread cookies. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. You do have to boil water for tea, though, which is kind of a lot of, to ask, so. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Brenna? <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, okay, anytime I read Untamed Fic, I want to be able to taste Yan Li's soup. Um, I actually couldn't eat it because I think it has pork in it, which I, Brenna, don't consume. But it's such, like, a sort of magical soup in the show that, like, I want that experience that like Wei Wuxian seems to always have when he has his sister's soup. Um, even though that's like not present in this fic, I feel like there's so much about sort of home and all of these feelings that I think in earlier parts of like the show and assumably the book like modern is evoked fix, I can confirm. By, yeah, <laughs> by, by eating that soup. So I was going to go with like veggie dumpling soup because that would be mm. the closest I could probably consume happily. Um, and like, hot green tea of some sort 
Wow. Okay. Well, all of those pairings, I think, are equally exciting <laughs> um, and possible to consume for the ficlets. So I hope you enjoyed. If you end up sitting down to read any of these fics before we discuss them, well, before you listen to our discussion, I should say you're too late at this point because uh, we are about to discuss. Uh, feel free. Let us know. Reach out. Uh, tell us how it went. Hopefully quite well. In the intro, I offered some pairings that I know my co-hosts hate. In this next discussion, we're talking to my friend Kate. (laughs) (laughs) My first fic for this episode is Like the Stars Right Here, Director's Cut by AO3 user Unconscious. Like I said, this is a Stray Kids fic for Chan and Felix, Chan slash Felix. Chan, question mark, heartbreak emoji, crying emoji, Felix. Uh, It's a complicated (laughs) one. This fic is just under 25,000 words long. As the title implies, it is a director's cut. This was originally uh, between 16 and 17,000 words, I think, and the author ended up going back and adding a bunch more. Um, Per their author's note, they just sort of decided to add some fun stuff. Um, 8.5 thousand words of new stuff and some minor revisions and tweaks, as they said. Um, It's stuff that they wanted to write and include and they said they weren't really concerned with balance necessarily or making it like a really, really tight, coherent, cohesive storyline where the pacing makes sense and everything. It's more just about getting all those thoughts out there. I thought it still really worked. I actually didn't read the first version. I was scrolling through the skiz tag raw, as you do, um, if you want to inflict emotional damage upon yourself, and uh, clicked on this and just read the entire thing all in one go. It was a moment. It was powerful. This is a post-disbandment fic. It's a future fic. It is canon compliant as much as really any future fic for a K-pop group can be canon compliant. I thought it did a good job of having like reasonable thoughts about how the future could go and plotting a timeline that seemed vaguely realistic, which I respect deeply as someone who hates writing timelines. Um, I brought this in part because of the ending, which I thought was just like really interesting and different from my expectations and also a lot of what you expect to see Uh, for this pairing in this tag, in this fandom, in fandom and fic in general. Uh, It didn't go the way that I think people might have expected it to, and people had strong feelings about that, which I think is valid. Um, I have my own feelings about their feelings, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, Yeah, so I was really, really excited to talk about this fic. Um, I knew I wanted to bring it or something like it for my birthday, I wanted to make my friends read it, which uh, is frequently why I bring Fix onto this podcast, because then they read it and I get to talk about it with them. Um, And I knew that I wanted to bring Kate on to come guest and talk about wretched little stories about people hurting. (laughs) I mean, this is my whole brand. Exactly. I really enjoy making my characters hurt and also hurting myself. Exactly. Yeah. So I figured it would be a good fit. In terms of content warnings, I don't know that there is anything specific for this story. It's a sad story. Um, I'll pew, 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 pew. Those are some spoiler horns for you. Pew, 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 pew. Go read it if you want to now and you don't. Yeah. Jazzy little spoiler horns. Yeah. um, Chan and Felix do not end up together in this story. Um, People, I think, I've seen people who wish they had known that before reading it. (laughs) So just as an FYI. Sweet. So those are my preliminary thoughts about this fic. I would love to hear what my co-hosts for this episode and this discussion thought of it themselves. Yeah. Hi. Um, I'm Kate. I'm also Noonwitch on Twitter. Um, I am 
an enormous fan of wretched stories that make everybody sad and angry. Um, and as a result, really enjoyed this fic. Um, I am a fairly large consumer of like K-pop RP- RPF at this point. Um, I particularly enjoy the Stray Children, who are an eight-member boy group um, with two Australian members, Chan and Felix, who are often paired together. Particularly enjoy them as a group because they are all unhinged about each other and no one is normal, which really just makes for great fan fiction fodder. We love it when no one can have a reasonable relationship. Um, <laughs> but I think for for this fic particularly, like this fic just like aches in such a good way for me. I think we already did the spoiler horns, but going into this, even knowing that they don't end up together, it just like... I knew they weren't gonna and I got to the end and I knew it wasn't going to be happy. And it's still just like, I had this like knot in my stomach. And I think what I love about that so much is that K-pop fic as a genre is really, I, I want to say resistant, but I don't mean in a bad way is really reluctant to do unhappy endings because these are real people that you're writing about and they're often young and you often like, you don't want to be like, hi, 21 year old man who already has to go through a whole bunch of fame. Like, let's be miserable. Um, but and this fic doesn't make them miserable, but it does really can kind of confront the fantasy that I think K-pop future fic mm-hmm. often has to confront, which is that the the kind of found family you build in as a K-pop group might not really last into the future. And that there's a certain amount of grief of involved in letting it go and letting that part of your youth go, even if letting it go was the absolute right thing to do. And I don't see that a lot in K-pop fic, and I loved getting to see it. It was so... It wasn't refreshing because I was crying, but um, (laughs) they were refreshing tears. Yeah, I had a banger time with this, honestly. (laughs) Nick had warned us that it has a... I mean, honestly, I'm reluctant to even say that it has like a sad ending. It's not tragic. It's a very melancholy ending, though, and very bittersweet. Um... Because Felix, sorry, this is spoilers. Poo, 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 poo. Um, <laughs> Felix gets a happy ending. It's just not. It's not happy for Chan, um, and it, it, they aren't happy together as a couple. Um, but I really enjoyed this take on K-pop future fic. If you are a fan of this show and you've listened to previous episodes, you know that in general, one of my favorite types of fan fiction is RPF future fic, canon compliant, or at least canon adjacent um, in many fandoms. So this is something that I, I love the exploration of sort of how these people's lives can develop. And, you know, we're attracted to these characters as fans because they're dynamic that we see you know on screen or through social media is so compelling to us for whatever reason and I think it's always really interesting for me to see different takes that people have on where that could go and we've talked a lot on this show about enjoying fics that have people sort of like renegotiating relationships and I think that's something else that I love about future fic is that it often pushes for that renegotiation um this does it in a very different way than most like canon compliant future fix and yeah i mean kind of like kate said it was just a very it was kind of refreshing in its difference to other fan fictions of a similar genre um and i liked it a lot (laughs) um chan made me very sad we'll get into that more i had a lot of feelings and i really liked it 
Yeah, when I had to sort of like pitch Nick's birthday fix at the end of last episode, having not read them, I pitched this one as being, yeah, you're welcome. Um, I pitched this one as being very sad because that's what I had heard about it. And I am sure that if I had gone into this, like not knowing that it ended the way it did, as in like with the two of them not together, I'm sure that would have like been maybe more upsetting than it was in the moment. But I was like, yeah, this is absolutely like a melancholy, bittersweet fic. And also like, I'm fine. Like, I wasn't, like, weeping. It it wasn't, like, life-shattering devastation. Um, But I think in part because, okay, uh, at the uh, 2022 wrap-up, Abby asked for more, like, spicy, like, hot takes from us. So, Abby, this is for you. Um, Many people listening to this, um, I assume, and especially if any of our friends are listening to this, they like Chanlicks because they're nice and romantic and Chan is kind of absolutely goddamn bonkers about Felix in a way that is just, what are you doing? It's sickening. It is sickening. However, and I have said this to people with mixed reactions, <laughs> my favorite Chanlix is when it's kind of horrible. Yeah. Like, sure, I get that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Chanlix have doomed vibes. They have do. Okay, I just, I feel personally so much more compelled by the ship when it is some iteration of like, Basic for one reason or another, like Chan pushing Felix too hard or sort of like not reciprocating things the way Felix wants it to be reciprocated, whatever it is. It doesn't always have to be from Chan's end, although I feel like that's the way I see it portrayed most commonly if it's portrayed at all. But I like Chan likes the most when it's deeply upsetting, probably when they don't get together or if there has to be like a lot of shit in the middle for them to work through. I think the like short, sweet, romantic, they're soulmates. I fully get why many of my friends gravitate towards that. That has never been the way that I care the most. Well, or at they all are about soulmates, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love okay, thanks, like, right person, wrong time. I feel like that's such yeah. a good trope yes. for these two. And I say this as someone mm. who somewhat recently, mortifyingly, had to tag a fic I wrote for them with wedding fluff. Yeah. Um, I see all sides. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> I it's again it's one of those things where I completely and fully understand why people like go super in on the like sort of saccharine sweet romantic stories like they are very good for that and also they're just not those are not the stories that I care to read for them um so personally this fic felt so tailored to my interests I was like it's wretched Chandlicks it's canon compliant it's post disbandment like let's go baby um I liked so many things about this fic I think I will say this is not anything against the author. They were very clear in their author's note, as Nick said, that they were like, I added 8.5k of scenes and they're not like as precisely plotted or whatever um, as maybe the original version of the fic was. This was like the muse gripped them by the ankles and they were just along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> Held them up so down and shook their words out. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, which I, I do also deeply respect. I will say there are a lot of shifting POVs and that sometimes did make it a little bit hard for me to know sort of where we were in the story um as in the image of the muse gripping um this author by the ankles i think sometimes the muse was like pulling them in one pov and then just like 90 degree turned in a different direction like because that was where the scene felt most interesting and again i deeply respect that um and i like a lot of like i don't know what was in the original fic versus what isn't but they're like i imagine that there was a lot that was added that were part of the scenes that i liked the most but i do think the sort of like shifting povs was a little bit tough for me sometimes um just felt like i wanted to say that like if you also go into the fic maybe expecting it to be exactly tightly plotted and paced the same it's not because it's a director's cut and i think that's really valid and 
personally, I am grateful that this author gave us um, an additional 8.5k of their thoughts because it was more time to linger in this wretched Chandlick's verse. Mm-hmm. And there's some banger lines that I imagine were not in the original because they were yeah. not Chandlick's mm-hmm. POV and yeah. I would have been sad to lose them. Hell yeah. One thing I wanted to make sure we gave space to actually was how involved some of the other members are in this story. Uh, we get quite a bit of Minho, which if you have been following me online for any amount of time, you will know he's my guy. I like him so much. Uh, his stage name is Lino, and we love him. Um, but he's in this fit quite a bit, and he is intense. He is harsh at times. He's kind of like blunt and frustrated uh, in the group he often wears the kind of like second leader title he's their dance leader he takes on quite a lot of responsibility he's the second eldest and i really felt connected to a lot of his struggles in this story i think one thing i like so much about this fic and we'll talk about almost the exact opposite of this in our last discussion about um hunter seeking solid ground is that one person's struggle And like self-destruction is never going to be contained to just that person, right? All of our actions, all of our desires, all of our needs, everything has ripple effects. And I think a thing that Chan in this story really struggles with is the idea that he can't contain it, that he can't jump on top of the grenade and just take the impact himself. And Minho seems to see that the most clearly, the earliest on. I just loved getting his perspective. I loved some of his lines of dialogue. I love how like unapologetic and very human he was like he wasn't sitting down with chan being like here are my i statements about why i'm frustrated he was like you fucked all of this up and it's completely your fault and those were really hard moments to read at times i think especially because i did find chan sympathetic here but i also think they were necessary and i think they did such a good job rounding out kind of like the emotional bottom of this story that's not only about Felix leaving the group. It's not only about Chan dating his way through Seoul and just breaking everyone's hearts and making a mess of things and hurting himself. It's about so many other things too. And I really just liked that about this story. And I think Minho's reaction also just like really underscores the way in which Chan in trying to do what he thought was right for the group Mm -hmm. and in torpedoing his own life for the Mm -hmm. sake of the group destroyed the group. Mm -hmm. Like you Mm -hmm. can't try to be a martyr and expect that like nothing else is going to catch on fire it doesn't work absolutely i think i don't know i've been th- sitting here thinking about this since reed was talking about their feelings on chanlix as a pairing and <laughs> <laughs> my super I, popular opinions <laughs> well okay i feel like out of this group i am very pro chanlix yeah. um, i wrote a wedding vlog but- i'm with you brenna i know like I Reed is the most not Chanlix. <laughs> Reed is yeah. a hater, and the rest um, of us are lovers. I, I do adore Chanlix. Yeah, someone's got to be a hater. I someone's got to balance it out. I don't. I think all of us also in, are willing to enjoy a, a fic where a pairing we like suffers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is also one of the reasons Kate is guesting with us today. <laughs> well, ding yes. dong! It's the misery fairy. <laughs> <laughs> But I was thinking, and I am someone who really likes a sort of soulmate pairing, like when people just feel like they were destined to be together. But I think with Chanlix, what's compelling is that they feel like a soulmate pairing to me and that they have the potential to make it work. Like they were people who are destined to cross paths, absolutely. But they aren't necessarily destined to just like have it easy um, together. And like, I feel like this is in contrast to also like us getting to hunter seeking solid ground later and 
one of my ultimate top forever soulmate pairings of Wang Xian, um, who I view very differently. I mean, certainly they don't have it easy, but... You know, Sorry, comparing Wang later. Xian to Chan like, is... <laughs> Just a casual no, 16 I mean, years of grief. What I'm thinking about that. more is like, in Wang Xian, like so many of the fics are sort of that they have these opportunities time and time and time again to come together. Like if they couldn't make it work once, they will have another opportunity kind of like the universe keeps pushing them together. And also fan fiction writers keep pushing them together <laughs> to like create these opportunities for them to finally get their shit together and like realize that they're supposed to be together. What's compelling to Chanlik about Chanlix for me in contrast is like, it definitely feels like a pairing where like if they can't make it work the first time or maybe the second time, like they probably just can't make it work. Like the universe isn't going to keep just offering them these unlimited like options. And this is a fic that really explores that um, and like really grounds it in this like much more real world setting rather than like, you know, you can come back from the dead and 16 years later and your soulmate will be there <laughs> waiting for you. Um I really like how this fic is sort of structured around all of these opportunities for them to have a conversation and make it work because the feelings are there and they are just never on the same page. And that is so much more like real world and so compelling a narrative. And yeah, it's sad, but it also like, I kind of liked this exploration of like, how does a real person deal with this of not being able to be with the person that you like? at least at one point in your life thought was like your person um i so it's such a rich narrative there's so much to play with i don't know i've really been thinking a lot about like what's what's compelling in fan fiction lately because i honestly spent so much of 2022 not reading fic and now that i'm really trying to like get back into it because i'm in like a better headspace for it i'm really looking at like what is compelling to me and what's not and things with like pairings with like texture and like grit and like stuff it's yeah. so good and i feel like this like metaphorically dumps a bunch of sand on <laughs> chanlix and makes it <laughs> textured yeah i guess to to provide some context for the folks who maybe haven't read the fic um this fic spans a lot of years 12. and 12 years and pretty early on um like in the quote-unquote canon days of skiz as in like what we have experienced now so like you know like 2018 2019 in there felix says to chan like they're having a hard night and, and felix is like i love you and then it's like it this is something more and chan goes i know me too but like not now like we can't talk about this now and then for several years over and over and over again it is felix being like okay not now but when and like presenting an opportunity and because like when when brenna was saying like oh the universe isn't going to keep giving them chances it's not the universe it's literally felix over and over and over again opening up the door to chan and chan closing it in his face and closing it in his face and closing it in his face and then felix going you know what i can't keep doing this to myself so when the time comes for stray kids to resign he doesn't he leaves uh and that kind of fractures everything it's i think it's a little unclear if like how long like stray kids might stay together as a group without felix um but I, Pretty shortly, probably within a year or so after Felix leaving, it seems more or less like they do disband um, and are doing their own thing. And something Kate mentioned in pre-discussion uh, that I kind of want to bring up is like that this fic really sort of tears apart the way that like fic writers are like, oh, like, OK, sorry, let me backtrack. I feel like in K-pop, it's often sold to us like 
destiny. These people were meant to be together and they will love each other forever and they'll always be friends and they're always going to be connected in some way. And like, sure, for some groups and some people, or at least like some friendships within groups, I'm sure that's true. But like, that's not always the case. That's not how life goes. Um, And this fic, I think, really like leaned into that. Like when Felix leaves, he goes to L.A. and he just fucking leaves. Like he's out of the fic for a while. Like we don't get his POV. We barely get mentions of him from other characters. You get the sense that he talks to like Minho and almost no one else. And that's a really bold choice also to make. Like not just that Chandlicks don't end up together, but like that stray kids for as obsessed with each other. Respect. Only (laughs) Minlicks. I mean, I love it, but wow. But yeah, I don't know. I just I, I appreciated that so much from this fic, too, that it wasn't. It wasn't just, like, Chanlix's relationship that Chan torpedoed. It was, like, that idea of, like, a found family that's going to stick together. Like, that whole thing crumbles, too. And I find your family. And I think <laughs> people... Unfind your family. <laughs> find my friends, except it's lose my friends. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I think one thing that I really, I think, value about this fic is that I think something that people really... Because a lot of people really don't like disbandment fics. Mm-hmm. And I've had people come to me and be like, I don't want to read this it's disbandment or post disbandment which i'm like that's super valid and i think what makes disbandment fix so scary is the thing that makes k-pop so compelling is you're like here is built in found family with bleak k-pop boy bandisms built in and it's just like you get all this agony and also like everybody is stuck together and they're fated to be together and that's what the way k-pop is marketed pressure cooker it's a pressure yeah it's a pressure cooker it's a crucible and then this fic is like yeah when Jisung starts going solo, which he does in this story, it all falls apart. Like, you don't get to keep that. It's not, it's, it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I think what I enjoy about this fic as well is that Felix seems to really understand that. He's like, this, I can work to make this relationship happen or I can let it go. And Chan seems to really kind of rest on the laurels of like, well, if this is fate and this is my soulmate, it will happen eventually. Mm-hmm. And doesn't really kind of understand that like, once disbandment happens and once things start to fall apart you have to work for your happy ending you don't get to just have it built in you have to put in you know your own time and agony and misery and all that good stuff i just want to say um solo artist jisung in a pink mesh shirt and white overalls and gold choker i'm free on thursday if you'd like to hang out on thursday when i am free um solo artist uh han jisung from like the stars right here director's cut i'm free on thursday okay oh, thank wow. you i feel like the ficlets haven't gotten to know how down bad you are yeah <laughs> yeah it actually really hasn't come up no, um really. so if you only know read through listening to this podcast this might be relatively new information yeah. for you but yep. yeah it's bad the months and months i was like read get into stray kids and then i was protecting myself from manji song <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that the thing that changed in one night was not jisung it was yeah. minho like Amen. that's who changed things for me but then jisung was lurking like a specter behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting yeah. truly okay, anyway keep talking about this fic if that's cool. i was also talking about the fic and yeah, yeah. so lord is jisung no, so it was really important to me so okay true. anyway uh no i just wanted to talk about this idea of like I've seen discussion recently in fandom, and maybe it's just my corner of fandom, about how much fic will, like, utilize, not therapy talk necessarily, but, like, therapized talk of, like, having the characters talk to each other in a way that's so, like, wholesome and so earnest and so, like, transparent of all of their emotions. Um, like, it's it's quite interesting. It's a trend I've seen a bit, and maybe this is mostly a K-pop fandom thing, um, of, like, your characters should communicate in a healthy way or else it's bad. 
you're setting a bad example for the youths. We're, we're back, right? This is a circular fandom discussion. Um, but this particular tangent of it has been interesting to me uh, as someone who thinks a lot about communication. Um, if we're going to take this into the psychology route, which I could, it is my birthday, so I will. Um, <laughs> Chan has such a textbook avoidant attachment style. <laughs> He knew this was coming. He does. He does. And it's, it makes sense. I mean, especially if we think about like the trauma that he's undergone of people in his life leaving at the drop yeah. of a hat because when he was a trainee for seven years, he was sure that no one would stick around because he kept watching people that he got close to get kicked out of the company. Like, yeah, of course, I would be nervous to commit to someone else either. If my dream was so challenging to get to, if I had seen so many chances of it getting torn away over and over and over and over, I would also have a very hard time being like, yeah, we should risk it for my own personal happiness. Like, of course. Um, and I think it is so interesting because this fic seems to really lean into this idea that I think a lot of fic doesn't, which is that it's very easy to not say something for a very, very long time. Uh, it's very easy to not be vulnerable about something. It's very easy to just put it off and off and off and off and off. Like, I think in stories, there's this expectation, and it makes sense, especially if you're looking at, like, Western plot narratives, your hero's journey, your save the cat, that, like, eventually... If there's a conversation that needs to be had, it will come to a head and it will be had and things will resolve in the way that you're expecting them to because people are using the same plot maps that they've been using for centuries. And I love that this story doesn't do that. I love that this story says, you know what, in real life it's entirely possible that he never says the important thing or that he says it way too late or that he says it in a way that's not actually going to be narratively fulfilling for his own personal romantic arc. Like, I just love that. I think it's such a big swing. I think it's so valuable. And I think that's also potentially part of why a lot of readers felt betrayed. Um, I got an anonymous message calling me malicious for recommending this thing. <laughs> I think that was my fault because I was, you were like, I read a wretched pic and I was like, yeah. I need the link yes. instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even blatantly recommend you, you it. I like, someone to had you. to be going through your replies on Twitter uh -huh. and then was like, this was malicious, which is so funny. <laughs> My malice. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyone could be 14 on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my 2023 resolution is to remind myself anytime I get annoyed at something that's happening online that anyone on the internet could be 14. It's actually been helping quite a lot. Regardless, however old this person was, they were not happy that I recommended this story. And I think it's in part because the way that this story subverts the traditional romantic arc can feel like a betrayal if you're not expecting it. If you're going to your fanfiction, if you're going to your escapism, and you're thinking, I want to read about my favorite two guys falling in love for the five millionth way, then yeah, if it doesn't happen in the way that you're expecting, and if it reminds you of the ways that real life can be hard and difficult and relationships don't work out... I can see how that would feel bad. You don't have to send me messages about it. Uh, but I, I can understand <laughs> the challenge. That's also just why I love it so much. I actually had something very similar in my notes for mm. this, which was like that this fic forced me to kind of look at some stuff that was like hard in my own life. And mm -hmm. I think it probably does for other people, which is like, what does it mean if somebody who was like super resonant in your life and important and you thought that they were going to be in your life forever? What does it mean when they're no longer in your life? Mm -hmm. And like you go to fan fiction because you're like, maybe this person will come back to me, but nope, <laughs> nope. They're going to have a really miserable time at a wedding and <laughs> never talk about it. Yeah. And it's like, I really enjoy that, but it is very much, it feels very real mm -hmm. in a way that sometimes you don't want from your fanfiction. Yeah. I want it from my fanfiction. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even want it from my fanfiction. I mean, fan this fiction, is true. Though. Yeah. I, I say this, I everything I'm saying about like how some fics, you know, give you the romantic ending. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Like mm -hmm. I do this all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I would like Chanlix to bang. Uh -huh. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. 
that's what's so beautiful about fan fiction is like if you want escapism there's oodles and oodles of it like wow can you find just about anything you want um but if you also want stuff i probably won't i love you very much (laughs) i'll pod pick it to you I read your I'll wedding. I'll read your fluff. wedding. It was good oh, wedding. Nick, I haven't read oh, it, but so I'll much. I'll read it. Thank you. Nick does love to gorilla pod fic things to me, which is just like when we're hanging out, they just start reading the beginning of any fic that they want me to be reading that I haven't picked up yet, including one of really Kate's fics that I do want to get to. <laughs> the long ones I struggle with. <laughs> well, you can gorilla like read anything at read. Um, yeah. If yeah. you set your mind to it. It's true. <laughs> hey, are you busy for the next ten and a half hours? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, in fact. Um Mostly for the next probably two-ish hours, I will be discussing other types of fan oh, fiction okay. on this podcast. And then solo artist Jisung has to come over. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not Thursday yet. I did oh, tell him it was free on Thursday. Reed's not busy yet. So, <laughs> so Reed will be free from, like, tomorrow morning through Thursday That's evening. That's Oh my gosh, I can read so many <laughs> fan fictions. <laughs> yeah, there's something that I really wanted to bring up that I really enjoyed about this fic is the way that it is structured around this... I guess we're way past spoilers at this point, but like pew pew pew. Um, this pop song that Chan writes for another artist called um, The Stars Right Here. And so there's a point earlier in the fic where Chan and Felix are by the water and they're like about to have a moment. Like they're so close to kissing and Chan's like, I like the stars right here, meaning the freckles on Felix's face. <laughs> Horrible. Which is wretched. Dear God. Um, and then they get interrupted by a fan who's like, oh, I'm such a huge fan of Stray Kids. And I think, and like, this is such a good example of like work gets in the way of them getting together and it gets in the way idol, idledom gets in the way of their, of their like interpersonal happiness. Um, And that moment comes around at the end when Felix, who hasn't really talked to Chan forever, realizes that, you know, Chan wrote this incredibly like really popular song called the stars right here. And it is very clearly about Felix um, and I really love this as like a way of a having this beautiful callback, but also kind of this way of really emphasizing that like Chan can only interact with Felix through work and through music. Like he does eventually give Felix kind of the confession that Felix always wanted to, but he does it through a song that he wrote for money for another artist. Mm-hmm. Like Felix hears it basically on the radio, essentially. I think he's in the car. I think he plays it explicitly. It wasn't the radio, but um he hears Chan's feelings for him through the lens of Chan's work. And I think that's very similar to like, they almost had this moment where they almost kissed and it is ruined by their work and their identity as idols coming in and, you know, getting in between them as a couple. And I loved that. And also just the the canonical fact that Chan is bonkers and off the wall for Felix's freckles <laughs> really just like hammered that one home. Uh-huh. Yep. This is reminding me of uh, one line that was so brutal to me because it is like idolism getting in the way, but it's also like Chen continuously prioritizing work, even after Felix leaves, even after everything. Like, as Nick kind of mentioned, he goes through a dating tour of soul and breaks a bunch of hearts. And like one of the first ones you see is this girlfriend, um, Myungso, who like you get like one scene and then a sort of after the breakup where she breaks up with him because he hasn't like been paying attention to her and hasn't like remembered things that are important to her. There's a line that says, what Myungso had said actually was, of your priorities, I don't even break the top 10, it's which is... so good. Oof. And, like, Felix sure was one of Chan's priorities, but he never made Felix feel that way, so... He's probably top 10, but not number one. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, uh, Kate reading that line made it play in my head to the tune of The View by Stray Kids. <laughs> Literally the same! <laughs> 
Jesus um yeah that's <laughs> wretched um, i love that <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's what I'm imagining that song, the pop song sounds like now uh, is like whoa. similar to the view by Stray Kids. But yeah, I the thing that I found saddest about this fic was honestly Chan. Like I mean, you know, as a Chan Lexer, sure it's sad that they like aren't able to like not just that they don't end up together, but that they're never really able to even have like a fulfilling or like a conversation that offers them closure about this at all like they're never able to kind of get that from each other they have like one nicer conversation like towards the end of the fic but it's not what either of them like needs from it i don't think um but the thing that like truly made me really sad reading it especially at the end was like Felix is able to, like, move on and find happiness in life. He's able to find a fulfilling career outside of Stray Kids. He ends up with, like, a really loving partner. Um, And Chan isn't able to do anything but work. And we don't even know that he's that happy doing that. And, like, I think it's Minho at some point who says, like, if it wasn't going to be you, it wasn't going to be anyone to Felix about Mm -hmm. Chan and Chan, like, not really being able to hold the relationship with anyone. But it's not just that Chan is, like, unable to hold, like, a steady relationship with anyone. It's that he's really unable to, like, find, like, true happiness or, like, meaning in his life, it seems. Like, we're not in his head that much towards the end. Um, So this is just sort of my reading of it. But, like, what made me so sad isn't just that his work got in the way of like him ever being able to have something meaningful with Felix, but just like that because it was this dream that he had at like 14 or whatever, that was so deeply ingrained that he wasn't able to ever like reimagine that. Like at one point Felix says like my dream changed, my dream became like being with you. And obviously then Felix dream changes multiple times later, but Chan's dream like, it probably has changed deep down and he's not able to like access that and it's really devastating like that makes me so sad that he gave so much to like create stray kids and to create this dream of what he thought was everyone else's dream and his dream and he's not able to like kind of move on and like grow and develop beyond that later in his career and his life and that was like the knife in my heart for me I think throughout the fic, there's a lot of these moments where Felix is really able to exist as a person alongside of his career. There's like a moment earlier, which I really loved, where Felix hooks up with Yoon-ho from 80s and they have some like great, <laughs> happy sex. Yeah. And it's Good like, for them. honestly. This author had a vision. <laughs> I, I love it. And so there's a line later where um, they, they've hooked up and Felix in his, narrative, in his narration says it doesn't have to be scary. And I think that that's a really interesting contrast to Chan where like every relationship he has, he cannot hold it together because it always like comes back around to Felix to the things that he didn't get to have with Felix. And Felix is able to kind of separate who he is as a as a, an idol, as an actor from who he is as like a partner and Chan is not. Um, and then the, I similarly that line of um, Minho saying it was a, it was the same line that I think Brenna referenced earlier was was if um if it wasn't you it wasn't going to be anybody mm-hmm. and like that similar thing where Felix was able to be like to let go of the ideas of who he wanted to be and what his dream was when he was younger and Chan was not and I think that also bring calls back to that line of you know my dream changed into what into being with you and Chan was never able to let his dream change or his goals change or who he was changed he just stayed 
really inflexible and it hurt him a lot. Yeah, we're coming up on time, so I'm going to bring us home here. But I have a final thought that's almost the exact opposite of what we were just saying, which is that I think because in a lot of fic, when you expect them to get together, the thing that you don't expect is for someone to move on, right? You expect there to be a torch that's held forever and forever has an asterisk because it's only until they can get their shit together in some capacity. Um, In a story like this, right, we might have actually expected Felix to not get over it and to be lonely in LA and to think, man, I should go back. I should fix things. I should talk to Chan again. I should try. You'd expect Chan to like struggle with all of this and then realize one morning when he wakes up that he made the wrong decision and he has to go fix it. He does show up to Felix's premiere in that version of the story and Mm -hmm. they do get to talk it out and they do figure things out. But I think because the story is structured differently, I found the ending very interesting. Um, It does technically end on a flashback all the way back into like early Stray Kids days. Horrific. Horrendous. I love the circularity of it because this story is Chan and Felix's story. It's not necessarily like Felix's story. It's not Chan's story. It's the story of the two of them in relation to one another. And it ends when that story ends. And I actually found something really hopeful about that the more I've gone back and thought about it. Because like at the end of this fic, Chan is what, 33, I think? That's not old. (laughs) Like, despite the fact that he has torpedoed a lot of his life, there's still so much ahead of him. And I think for me, there is something really hopeful about this idea that we can mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up and we can ruin the best thing in our life. And that does not mean that the story is actually over. Like, there is so much ahead. There is so much left. He seems to still have people in his life that, like, love and care about him. Like, there is something just interesting to me about this idea that there is still growth and there is still change that is coming. That none of us can ever really like put a pin in our own stories and say, ah, all right, I've learned everything I was going to learn. I've done everything I was going to do. There could be another fic that starts a week after this one ends. That's Chan's story in his arc as he grows and like changes and learns. And I think because this fic was so rooted in reality, that to me felt plausible and it felt hopeful, even though it's a very melancholy story and it's not about these two guys falling in love and figuring it out. I liked how much it felt like a record of life and that that just doesn't end. And just because Chan's story is over with Felix and Chan and Felix's story is over, Chan's story is not over and Felix's story is not over. And Felix maybe started writing his new story earlier than Chan did, but Chan still has a chance to do it. And I really hope that Chan, who wears glasses and has crow's feet around his eyes, (laughs) figures it out. Oh, buddy. Good luck, bud. We're all cheering for you. Good luck. So that was our discussion of like the stars right here, director's cut. Thank you so much to Kate for joining. Thank you for having me. And all your good thoughts. Yes. Lovely, lovely. Um, Thank you for listening. That is a story that is sad and I liked it so much. And also I found happiness in the sadness and that is the best. Thank you so much. In the last fic, Chan kind of torpedoed his own life through his own hesitations. The next fic is a series of meditations. Let's talk about it. The next work we'll be discussing is Meditations by Chantress, Greedy Dancer, Jet Pods, Lena Lollipop, and the Lord of La Mancha. This is a fic for The Witcher. It is four chapters long. Uh, Technically, it's 3,000 words, but the total audio is one to one and a half hours, uh, which is a lot of fun. It is fully soundscaped, uh, 
like whoa we're going to be talking about the soundscaping because it is just so well done um, and each chapter is a meditation that's kind of like dialogue set in the world of the witcher from the perspective or with the voice of a character from the witcher our characters are Geralt who I know and then three other people that I don't recognize <laughs> Eskel, <laughs> Lambert, and Vesemir um, I don't know these names. I don't really know The Witcher, but I liked this. <laughs> um, I don't know. I saw this as I was going through Pod Together 2022. I had my other two fix decided, and I was trying to think about what I wanted to do to round out my birthday celebrations. And I thought that, A, I want to do something kind of niche because that felt very me. And the other two fix are, um, well, the Untamed one is very popular and then the Chanlix one is fairly popular. So this one I wanted to make sure was a little bit more obscure. I wanted to do something that was kind of unorthodox. I love a weird fan work. I love a decision that, you know, people were just like, this is going to be so cool. This is going to be so fun. Like, let's just try it. Um, and I don't know. I love a fan work that people make not expecting for it to go viral <laughs> um, when I left my own kudos this fic had 10 kudos now it has 11 highly encourage you to go check it out and give it some love uh, but yeah i don't know all of that combined with the fact that as you know i really enjoy talking about like psychology and mindfulness and mental health and wellness and that is very wrapped up in the idea of meditation so that's why i wanted to bring it um yeah each meditation is like 15 to 20 minutes long so if you're interested in checking it out do that um for now we are going to talk about it I would love to hear. Oh, I don't have any content warnings. I don't think um, the general trappings of the Witcher canon. I guess, but if <laughs> but if the Witcher canon was like way nicer, I think that it is <laughs> the implications of upsetting content warnings. But nothing that I feel like I need to warn for. Okay, now I would love to hear what my co-host thought about this particular story. Yeah, I liked this so much. Um, I was surprised. I was like, Nick bringing like a witcher work and then i saw what the work was and i was like this actually does make a lot more sense um i loved how in the author's note it basically said that uh lena lollipop was like hey i want to do this thing it's weird it's niche pod together is perfect for it and i was like it you're so right it is absolutely perfect for it um last year for pod together the three of us plus friend of the pod cassie wrote about DD original character lesbians the world is your oyster um so this was just really delightful I am not someone who really ever goes in for a guided meditation. I don't find them effective for me in the slightest. Um, although I do actually have thoughts to return to later, um, probably when my co-hosts talk about their own experiences with guided meditations, if they do. So I was kind of surprised by how much I liked this. And I feel like part of what I loved is how immersive it was in the world. As Nick said, the soundscaping is bonkers. It's so good. Every single little bit of this is soundscaped. There's so much like time when the narrator is not speaking and you're just getting the world um i loved how each each meditation there's like um if you actually read the text on ao3 and you're not just listening it kind of sets the scene for you not just where you are but like who you are you sort of get to be like yn in the world of the witcher um overhearing for the most part these little witcher meditations like Eskil is not sitting down to guide you through a meditation that's not really his jam but you can like overhear him through a window um and that's nice like I I just thought that was so clever and so good this was so expertly done like it's there's so much care and love put into it and I think that really really shows um and I still managed to have lots of feelings about the world of the witcher <laughs> in this in this uh relatively short um work that is mostly just sort of about like mindfulness and sort of connecting back with yourself 
there's little bits, there's little nuggets of the world in there where I was like, oh, I care about the Witcher so much. Um, so this was delightful. This was very cool and very unexpected. Um, like my co-host said, like this is very much something that I can see coming out of Pod together, and it just makes me really happy and excited that fests like that exist in fandom spaces because I love these niche works that people come up with and. This one is executed so, so well. The soundscaping is just beyond. Like, it's so immersive. Um, I was just really impressed with the level of care that was taken uh, to create this piece. Um, I have a lot of experience with guided meditations. <laughs> I like them a lot. <laughs> um, and I feel like from listening to these um, and like reading the little sort of transcripts, I feel like one or more people involved in creating this pod together either has to be like a mental health professional or just a big fan of guided meditations yes. because this definitely shows a level of familiarity with the strategies employed in a lot of them um and how how they work and like what people are looking for in them um this is not like this easily could have tipped over into like satirical but it was so earnest um and i just really appreciated its mission and its execution of that. One of my absolute favorite things about this particular story, particular fan work, is that it is not a joke. And I think, yeah, like you said, Brent, it could have so easily been like something silly, like, haha, imagine Geralt leading a guided meditation. Like, that's kind of funny <laughs> to me, and I don't even know about The Witcher. But it's so well executed, and it's so skillfully executed. Um, I also have quite a lot of experience with guided meditation, both as the guided and the guide. Um, <laughs> are you laughing? Sorry. Oh, Nick led some of us through a quote-unquote guided meditation yeah. Halloween that, um... It was good. Well... You're welcome. I mean, it was fun. I don't, was wouldn't free. necessarily call it, like, a guided meditation. We did all lay on the ground and close our eyes, um, and then I struggled really hard not to laugh through the whole thing. <laughs> but, anyway. Yes, outside of that context, I have also led guided meditations in <laughs> earnest. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> And I think one thing that I think about a lot with uh, mental health, with mindfulness, with meditation is I think from the outside, if you're not someone who participates in them or like studies in this particular field, I think it's easy to assume that the structure of a guided meditation is all about like lying to the listener of being like, everything is fine and you are good and you are great. And even if you don't believe it, here are some really empty platitudes and affirmations. And I love how much this fic resisted that. And I think part of that is the Witcher setting and the characters. Like, you're, you're not going to stare down Girl of Rivia and be like, you are strong. You are beautiful. <laughs> I guess you could. I don't think that that would be that effective, though. Um, and so what I really loved was the fact that it leaned so heavily into normalizing statements. Um, this idea of, like, however you feel is fine. It's good. The question is if it's serving you. Like, it's just so skillful. I was astonished. I was reading this and I was like, hell yeah, somebody really gets it and is understanding what's going on. Um, there's also some really good grounding stuff in here. Uh, each meditation takes a slightly different cant. It's a different character and they have different focuses. Um, one of them is about trying to separate physical sensations. Another one is kind of a more, you know, general and story-based meditation. Um, there's a progressive muscle relaxation. All of these are things that like very legitimately are evidence-based and supported ways to meditate so i just love that like the fact that not only is this a really cool fan work but you could effectively meditate to it if you wanted to 
and reap benefits is just fantastic. And part of the reason I wanted to bring it is because this is the kind of thing I love about fandom, that people are just out here doing stuff and they're doing it well and they're doing it in a fun way. And there's no expectation that there's going to be a like return on investment of time or anything. Like you just do it because you love it. So I just love it. I really like the specificity of each meditation to a different character and how those tweaks were made. I'm not really familiar with each of these characters, so maybe Reed can say more to that if they want. Um, but it just was making me think about like my own experience with like mindfulness and guided meditation. And it's really not like a one size fits all practice. Like you very much have to find what works for you and what is sort of tailored towards your particular like worries or concerns or overstimulation or whatever it is that you're experiencing and why you're turning to this. And so I, I really enjoyed that each one kind of took a different direction because for me, like, I was also very like, I don't think this is going to work for me when I first tried to pick up guided meditation. And I've definitely experienced ones that like do not work for me. But when I found the ones that like fit well, it can be so immensely helpful. Um, And so much of it is just, yeah, about what what matches well with your brain and what's going on in it. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I think for me personally, it'd be hard to meditate towards these because again, for me, I like having just a voice pretty much. Um, the thought of having sort of this competing soundscaping along with like what I physically am feeling doesn't work super well because it's like, I like ones where it's like, feel your feet on the floor. And then I think about like the hardwood floor under my feet and like the texture of the blanket under my hands and all of that. And then it's like, oh, a horse whinnying. <laughs> Listen to your horse. <laughs> I'm like, where is that horse? <laughs> Whose horse is that? Why is there a horse in my bedroom? <laughs> um, but I think when you're looking at this as a fan work, it's so cool because you can really put yourself in that character's shoes and sort of be in the immersive experience with them and think about it. Okay, like, I'm not necessarily feeling these things or like hearing these sensations or whatever, but they are. And like, that was just a very cool, like levels of intricacy to this project that I really appreciated. Um, so yeah, I just, as, as a big fan of mindfulness and guided meditations, I also thought this was a very cool endeavor. We're opposites because I hate silence. <laughs> I drastically <laughs> prefer a meditation that has some kind of music in the background or like sounds of some sort, even if they're not. Yeah. Because if it's quiet, my brain goes, you know? Well, I feel like that's what I need. That's what I'm trying to combat a little bit with meditation. So uh. well, well, constantly I have like, I'm usually very much like TV and TikToks on my phone and mm -hmm. all of these things, like as much stimulation as possible to keep myself from thinking if I'm going to enact like a mindfulness practice like meditation, I really want to try and be able to be present because it's my time to kind of try and allow those voices in a little bit and like well, the voices, but allow the thoughts in so then I can sort of like release them because otherwise it's just like this feeling of like pushing out, pushing out, pushing out that like isn't helpful for me. I think it's also just like the first time I had any success with it was at like an in-person class that didn't really have music and stuff. Sometimes the instructor would ring his little gong. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think when I have tried guided meditation in the past, I think one of the things that doesn't work for me is I... I don't know. I'm kind of like, this is a lot of nonsense, uh, which it is not. For many people, it is very helpful. But for me personally, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is doing nothing. And I think, I don't know, like if I was just being told, like, focus on your breathing or you're this or you're that. It's less that I have a million thoughts in my brain that I'm trying to like let in and flow through and more that I'm just like 
increasingly where like, okay, I'm just, I'm just, I am just laying here. I'm not getting anything out of this. Like I'm not sort of slowing my brain down. I'm not feeling more peaceful. I feel like I'm just sort of laying here. Um, but in pre-discussion with my co-hosts, I did not realize, I don't know, I, I guess connected the dots a little bit. Um, I... Not in the way that Nick does it, but I'm a big fan of ASMR. Okay, I feel like I need to defend myself here. I do really good ASMR, and Rita's just a oh hater. My God. Brenna, you do good ASMR, too. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> um, aside from whatever my co-hosts are doing to create auditory nightmares for me to deal with when I'm editing, um, I've been listening to ASMR for a long time, many years, like seven years now, maybe? I don't know. Um and I like very much like listening to a video at night where I turn it down pretty low so that I'm like, maybe I can make out the words, maybe not. But like, I like the sort of steady stream of noise. I like somebody talking to me. And I like that in the pauses when someone's not talking, there's usually other noise happening. So completely opposite of Bren, and I think more similar to Nick, if I was going to listen to them in a way that I was trying to actually like truly meditate to them and not sort of use my thick like thinking brain while listening to them yeah. <laughs> um i think this would work super well for me like not only is the soundscaping super impressive and lovely but like that is exactly the kind of ambient noise that i generally do want in the background if i am listening to something like an asmr video at night because i'm tired of staring at the ceiling trying to go to sleep so now i'm going to put on a video in the hopes that it will not even necessarily quiet my brain but just like distract it enough to lull it into peace um also briefly uh going back a little bit Brent had said um like do these meditations feel true to the characters i'll be honest i don't remember Eskel a whole <laughs> bunch in the games i know he is there i feel like i interacted with lambert more but like from my knowledge of playing the games um i did like so much how each one of these was different not only in that it was taking a different sort of track of meditation and mindfulness but that it it did feel very true and specific to the character like it makes sense to me that Vesemir is the only one who would actually be actively guiding YN in this case (laughs) through meditation um and that like Geralt is the most similar in that like Geralt is not he's not guiding you but he's not not guiding you like he's probably aware that you're awake but he's not like sitting down to be like let me lead you he's he's doing it for him knowing you're probably listening and like I don't know the different the different ways that you get sort of character and personality and what is important for those characters to focus on in that moment, I thought was just really well done. Like, um, yeah, it is not what it's like 3K total. Like each meditation is not that long. And I still think it managed to be very specific. Um, Eskels in particular, which is the second one, is a lot about like your body and like physicality um I, w- I was thinking a little bit about mary oliver's like you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves <laughs> wow. a little bit what a nice pull well it, it felt like not too dissimilar in some of the things it was saying like my body is scarred my body is this but my body carries me through the day it's what's gotten me here i live and breathe through this body that like yeah i don't know it it felt all tied together but um I think for as much knowledge as I have of these characters, which is better for some than it is for others, I did very much appreciate how it felt like individual to them. It, I think, again, it is one of those things where it's pretty clear that whoever, not whoever, Lena Lollipop, who is the one who pushed this idea, <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that Lena Lollipop um, has probably spent a fair amount of time with these characters and thinking about 
what would matter most or what would be most present to these characters. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. No, I love it. And I think one other thing I wanted to talk about with this too is the idea of mindfulness and its intersections with fandom. Um, I first want to back up a little and just say in terms of like when we're talking about mindfulness, the base principles are just to get into your body, get into the moment and breathe. Um, I think there's a lot of repackaging under capitalism, especially in the West of like what mindfulness is and should be and its purpose Um, in the United States. Its purpose is often presented as a way to become more productive at your job. so that's fun and bleak um originally comes out of a lot of eastern traditions a lot of eastern cultures came to sort of similar principles and similar mindfulness ideas over time um but the the base principles are very simple um you see a lot of mindfulness practices in like buddhism you see them with like the idea of being a monk when i read um candice Wu's memoir somewhat recently making a scene um she did a whole month or maybe even a summer um in taiwan at a monastery and it was very interesting to hear her talk about like the final challenge of like not speaking for a whole week and how she felt like she was losing her mind and this idea that she'd come back different and then after a few weeks it was kind of back to the same old grind in nyc anyway that's a tangent um but i wanted to mention just this idea of mindfulness and fandom and how i think presence is something that can for me at least feel very complicated when i'm like engaging with fandom this idea that like i'm very present when i am like emotionally engaging with stuff but then also how present am i if there is this really really major escapist element to it um also like when i have this whole other identity that like doesn't even have a body online you know what i mean when you're like trying to um I don't know, find connections with other people who are not near you when you're trying to like reinvent yourself to some degree. I think that's a lot of function of online spaces. So I was just thinking about that, about how complicated it is to be yourself and be in your body when you're also, and this is so relevant with the recent quarantine and things, right? Of like your structures online and your connections online and your relationships being online. Um, is it beneficial? Is it detrimental? Is it better or worse? Uh, there's no easy answer. And so I'm always interested in the ways that fandom and the internet at large are leveraging the fact that we're using them to try and bring in some aspects of wellness or presence. So this also felt like a really cool way to dive into that conversation too of, okay, I'm using this um like Bren was saying earlier, right? I'm on my phone, I'm on my laptop, I'm listening to something on my CD player all at the same time. Can I leverage the interest and the engagement that I have with these topics to actually slow down a little bit? I just think it's an interesting question. Yeah, well, related to what I was just saying in terms of like fandom and mindfulness and presence and like, I don't know, I think about it as like flow too. I'm just curious about that compared to like the experience of video gaming, which I feel like is another facet of this conversation that people talk about a lot that I have virtually no expertise or experience with Mm. like video gaming as like a form of sort of like not meditation but just sort of yeah like uh getting into a flow in that way yeah reed is video gaming good or bad for your brain this is this is the moment reed is answering the question (laughs) once and for all i am putting a rest to the arguments um well i'm balancing in my brain right now like the serotonin i get And, like, the genuine, like, joy and the narratives that I derive, like, so much out of versus um, when I get a new game or I just get hyper fixated on a game and I'm really bad at managing my time. And I'm like, oh, God, I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses for four and a half hours straight. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should put it down. Um, You know, 
Uh-huh. There's <laughs> Sylvain moment. There's a, and I'm always having a Sylvain moment. I'm <laughs> I'm back. I did literally just pick up Fire Emblem again. Oh, wow. Like Sylvain two days ago. Read and was is like, free on Wednesday. <laughs> 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 oh God. Wow, Reed. I'm so busy. Um anyway. I don't know. I mean, okay, now I'm trying to think about video games as sort of like I think it's interesting because, like, you can have games that I think would feel very far from meditation. I don't play a lot of, like, um, first-person shooter games. Mm -hmm. Those are not my style. And they're not always, like, stuff like, um, now I'm going to seem like a clown. I can't remember what they're called. But games like like Call of Duty or Overwatch, whatever, they're not always that. Like, sometimes you can have just, like, individual FPS games, and that's fine. But, like, that's not my style. But you have those that feel probably less relaxing, and then you have a game like Spiritfarer, which is, like, you know, a meditation on grief and death and remembrance and also is a little bit like stardew valley farming sim type situation yeah, sorry um, for the benefit of the radio i have to mention that brenna just did four different hearts at the mention of spirit fair it was very cute it's very cute um yeah i mean i can easily see video games being a thing that feel meditative or that just like sort of help you like slow down especially i think if it's a game that is like more narrative focused like a spirit fair or that has like a if you're going in sort of with the desire to think and ruminate on something i can see them being an easy vehicle for doing so i've found a lot of meaning in video games that i've played you know this i've given powerpoint presentations on video games i care about um the tale yeah and that's what people call undertale all the time yeah if they're in on it. Undertale's one of those tough ones because it's like it That's is what like I've hash- heard. it's like hashtag cringe to talk about. And it's also still a game that is deeply important to me. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the sort of growing up on the internet slash in fandom yeah. experience? We don't <laughs> like so many of the things that were formative was like cringe. <laughs> oh my god. Actually, speaking of sorry, this has nothing to do with the fic, but with that, um, you know, hanging out with some new friends of mine recently, and I made a comment along the lines of like, yes. Uh, regrettably for me, I was very deep in Sherlock fandom. And this guy looks at me with his whole chest and goes, yeah, but there was like, he's like, that was a gay ship bait. Of course you were into that. And I was like, we (laughs) have known each other like a month. This is mortifying. Oof, Reed, that's a a tough one. That was a tough one. Um, I do want to say about this fic, Nick, I think you said uh, either in our yearly wrap-up or in our anniversary episode, I don't know. Our interchangeable episodes. <laughs> they, they truly are at this point. Um, that I love to bring in synthesizing. I love to bring in things from the work. Um, I would like to shout out two moments in particular of the soundscaping. That I did refer to that as content comments. Sorry, just not to synthesizing. Clarify, oh, my brain yeah. is nothing. My brain is nothing. It's okay. I forgive you. Well, it's something. <laughs> it's at least like a mass of stuff in your head. So true. That's true. Great matter, baby. I would like to shout out two moments of soundscaping that really stood out to me in particular. Um, One of them was, I believe, in Geralt's section where the narration reads, meditate the same way you march into battle. And there's a pause and then there are drums. And then it reads intentionally. And then the drums keep going. And I was like, phenomenal. Like, it was so powerful and so perfectly timed, like the amount of silence. And then the way that the drums come back in again, I just thought that was so well done. Um, and also to get myself into my witchery feelings, um, when Vesemir is leading you in the guided meditation, at one point he mentions about, like, the keep being very old and full of history. 
Um, and then he goes, no, don't open your eyes, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then there's sort of a pause and you get like a lot of soundscaping that I think implies the history of the keep. Like you get things that presumably the the YN of this world would not be hearing in the moment, like sort of echoes of battles of the past. I love and... that you're referring to them as YN and not just like the listener. <laughs> I don't know. I started on this train and I will continue on it. Um, but you get like so many different things in there that just imply this like wealth of history and like yeah, I don't know. I think the one thing that came up for me was just thinking about how powerful audio can be as a vehicle for narrative and for storytelling. Um, I feel like the soundscaping did just as much work in this as the like narration itself did. Yeah. That was our discussion on Meditations by all of those AO3 users. I won't read it for a third time, but you remember, right? You can go back and listen to it. It's really good. Um, this is just such a cool fan work. I think it opened up a lot of really interesting conversations and definitely opened up a lot of thoughts for me as I continue thinking about what it means to be well and also be in fandom. So appreciate these fan creators uh, for putting in so much work and creating such like an interesting and cool piece. Um, and I hope you listen. Meditations are often used, I think, to help people go to sleep. Maybe if Wei Wuxian listened to this fan work, he would not be having nearly as many problems as he is having in this next fic. Nick? <laughs> My last fic for this episode is Hunters Seeking Solid Ground by AO3 user Attila. This is a fic for The Untamed, for the pairing Lan Wangji Wei Wuxian. It is a very lovely post-canon story. I keep wanting to refer to it as a coda. I think it kind of is, but it's also 23,600 words long, so it's not like a short little bit. You get quite a bit from it, actually. Um, this is a really interesting, I think, haha, <laughs> meditation. I should have just done this as a transition. <laughs> like a meditation on trauma, a meditation on needing people, on leaning on people, on like letting yourself have good things. And those all feel like very relevant themes. This is a very popular story. I was like looking at all of the collections that it got added to because people on AO3 will make collections to like put their favorite things in. <laughs> and the titles of them always really make me laugh. Filled the CQL shaped hole in my heart. Sorry and thank you. Quality beans. <laughs> it's just really cute. Now that AO3 has bookmark collections, I think it's slightly um, less frequent that people do this, but it's not infrequent. Side note also, this is a random uh, thought, but it's relevant to the author's notes. This fic was written pretty early on in uh, the, I guess, quarantine in the US uh, in 2020. Um, so they mentioned that and they mentioned this fic being something that they wrote that was like challenging at times, but also like really heartwarming, I guess, to be able to come back to a story that they love and write about like closeness and connection. So I don't know, that's just a relevant theme, I think. And I like bringing in some of that context too. Content warnings. Um, I don't know that there's anything really outside of the content warnings for The Untamed. If you're not familiar, though, there is a lot of like character death that was mentioned. There is grief and mourning. Um, the central premise of this is that Wei Wuxian is not able to sleep due to nightmares and trauma. Um, so those are really relevant. And he also does start hallucinating a bit at some point, at some point, at one point. Um, so all of those things do come up. Overall, I would say this is a pretty strong, like, 
hurt comfort fic. It's tagged for really excessive amounts of hurt comfort, which I think is accurate. Um, I found it quite heartwarming. It has a really nice ending. So um, while the context of the story is quite heavy, I think the story itself is actually quite healing. And I wouldn't say that there are a lot of like big, scary content warnings to share for it. Yeah, I wanted to bring it because I love this trope. And also, I think it's a very romantic pairing. I'll talk about this more later. Um, but I'm super excited to get to talk about it. Oh, oh, God, I have to mention this. It was wrecked to me in the wreck exchange. Michaela, if you're listening, you absolutely knocked it out of the park. I was obsessed with everything that you sent me. I had not read any of them, including the Stray Kids fic. That was surprising to me. And this one totally stuck with me. I read it and immediately was like, I'm bringing this for my birthday. So thank you so much uh, for the assist. You get me. And you know exactly the kind of thing that I like to read. So I just wanted to say uh, thank you. A shout out to Michaela for that. Okay, those are my thoughts. I would love to hear what my co-hosts thought of this fic, whether it was their first time reading it or not. I'm obsessed with this fic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think this was my third time reading it. Um, I hadn't read it in a while. I read it, I think, not probably that long after it was posted. Um, And then again, in the next year or so following that um it's so good it's not surprising to me that it is so popular in fandom i feel like it hits the marks that everyone okay maybe not everyone but like <laughs> you know everyone wants from a long shin fic um and ah it makes me feel all of the feelings about these two characters. I, as I mean, if you've been listening to this episode, like I already kind of <laughs> talked about this in the Stray Kids discussion, but Wang Xian are a top eternal pairing for me. They are soulmates and I love them. And this fic is like soulmates, capital S. Um, but it's, I think so much untamed fic is about like trauma and grief and healing from that and like what does that look like and how do two people who have been through so much like come together like that it's always about people who like desperately want to be together and like are trying their hardest to make that happen and also like Wei Wuxian sort of being ignorant either purposefully or (laughs) not (laughs) um, about his own feelings and also Long Wanchi's feelings but (sighs) it's so romantic it's so good. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when Brenna has a moment on our little pod. <laughs> it's really good, actually. I have moments a lot. I know. <laughs> I always love it. <laughs> yeah, I was saying during pre-discussion that I, and I didn't do a great job of this in the 24-hour sense that I was like, I'm going to have to figure out what I want to say about this fic because every time I tried to speak, I just ended up going, ah, <laughs> <Yes>. because Wang Xian. <laughs> Yeah, I do love rediscovering every time I read an Untamed fic how gored to the floor bonkers these two make me feel. Um, Brenna and I started watching The Untamed together and then stopped um, like a year ago, <laughs> I think at this point, more or less. Um, and this fic made me desperately want to return to canon um, because I care them deeply. Um, wow, this fic was so good. Also, I was so sympathetic towards well i mean towards both of them but i was very sympathetic towards wei wuxian um very recently i couldn't go to sleep not for like <laughs> weeks on end but for like one singular night um it's and horrible. i was up late and i literally cried tears of frustration and then sat on a bathroom floor messaging nick some unhinged, unhinged messages yeah. at like 3 a.m for me because i was like i just want to sleep but i can't um Wei Wuxian handled this with much more grace than i would have <laughs> i become the absolute worst person when i am tired and can't sleep um but 
I assume my co-hosts will say some things about her comfort um, that I have some thoughts on because that is never a tag that I go searching for. Um, but when it is done well, as it is in this fic, I enjoy it quite a lot. Yeah, I just, I really, Wang Chan are so good. Do, do you guys know? They're so good in every single fic I ever read <laughs> for them makes asking? me feel... I don't know. Our listeners, our listeners who don't read um, Untamed Fix should consider doing what Nick did and going on a tour de force through the modern AU tag so that you don't need to know canon and you two can feel deeply unwell and passionate about these two. I have been on multiple benders. Like, I've never seen an episode of The Untamed. I did today watch three fan vids because I was just in a mood. Um, I haven't read the novel. I have also not seen the animated show. So I really have very little context for what actually happens, aside from the context that I have gleaned from these fics. Um, I am a modern AU enthusiast, in part because they're just way easier to follow, honestly. Once you know people's relationships to each other and, like, vague ideas of the kinds of things in canon that get referenced or, like, paralleled in those AUs, you can follow them fine. So that's my tip for anyone. I think you totally can. Um, this fic in particular and other canon fics that I've read, because I've read so many modern AUs where everyone lives, every time I'm like reading something where they died, I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> what happened here? That's not fair. They should still be alive and hanging out and rebuilding their relationship, whatever. Um, the canon happened. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Ridiculous. Um, no, I love it, though. I think it's so good. I love these two. I find their story obscenely romantic. Like, I sit and stare into space and have feelings about a ship for a show I've never watched. That doesn't really happen to me. <laughs> so I just find it impressive. I also think that this fandom in particular has uh, attracted a lot of really amazing writers and produced a lot of really amazing fan works on themes that I'm really into. Um, I will also, I didn't bring it for this episode, though I, I considered it very briefly, and then I was like, it's too long and I have other things I want to do. Um, a fic that Kate, our guest from earlier, had recommended to me, uh, which is upwards of 70,000 words long um, that is about suicide and suicide recovery. And it was done so well. And I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, Kate is currently having a moment on my couch <laughs> as I discuss <laughs> this. <laughs> it was just a really beautiful story. And I think it's a story that I absolutely wanted to read about in fandom or at least with someone else who had read it so I could like share my reactions and things. Um, but those themes are so easily accessed with this canon. Um, themes of trauma, of grief, of healing, of mourning, um, of self-worth and the complicated issues therein, of being able to lean on another human being. I think all of those things are super present here. Um, and Attila leveraged them super, super well in 23, 24,000 words to create a narrative that is fulfilling, that is heartwarming, that is touching, and that is, yeah, like very comforting to read. Um, I just love that aspect of it, and I thought it was super well done, and also this fandom is so well suited to it. Yes, this is very much a Hurt Comfort fic. Um, I feel like Hurt Comfort is such an interesting tag in a lot of ways because people use it in a lot of different directions. It is something that fundamentally I do enjoy. However, it is not a guarantee that I will enjoy it in any given fic. Because sometimes it doesn't really feel like what's being tagged as hurt comfort, in fact, includes both hurt and comfort. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, in this particular fic, and this is spoilers for this fic um, a little bit, but um, 
Oiwishan is suffering from terrible nightmares that don't really allow him to sleep, and he hasn't slept in a few weeks, um, at the point where some of the juniors run into him and bring him back to Gusu, um, and he's reunited with Long Wanji. Um, and from there, it's about him kind of learning to sleep again, <laughs> um, an important skill for any living being. Um, in his night, his nightmares are all very focused on sort of the the things that he's done in the past, but tenfold. So if he killed one person, now he's killed everyone important to him, and and stuff like that. Um, so I think the hurt here is very interesting because there's a physical side to it of Wei Wuxian like suffering from the extreme effects of insomnia but there's also just like a very keen emotional side of it of like his psychological distress and uh his feelings of responsibility for basically everything bad that's happened um both in his life and just sort of not everything bad that's happened to the cultivator world but he feels very responsible for a lot of mess um wei wuxian is your classic like like What's what's the th- fucking thing? <laughs> Looks like they would kill you is a cinnamon oh. roll. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wow. I hated myself for saying that. But like, he's outwardly like very loud and entertaining and also like, just like very, like he's a strong character. Like in, in canon, like he is very powerful, at least for like the majority he's of it. Um, but <laughs> um, but like deep down he's very sensitive and he takes things very personally um and so he's a character who like and has really taken to heart a lot of the negative things people have said about him especially like kind of when they view him as just the yiling patriarch and like not wei wuxian um so this is very much a fic about comfort on both of those factors and like healing from it and it's so tender and it is a Wei Wuxian POV, so like that's most of what we're experiencing. But I really do feel like this is a hurt comfort fic in both directions because like Long Wan Ji is not suffering any physical ailments as far as we know. And like his emotional ailments are not impacting him in the same way that like Wei Wuxian's are impacting him. But he is also a character who like takes things very personally deep down and has been very stoic in the face of Wei Wuxian coming back and then leaving and then coming back and then leaving and this very much has injured <laughs> like Long Wanji's little heart <laughs> yeah um and so a lot of this is like hurt between them about not being able to discuss their relationship at, like either that I feel like they have to kind of come together on um and yeah I know something that we all want to talk about was kind of just like that this isn't a thick where it's just sort of one person needing stuff from the other and the other only being like the giver of comfort or the giver or whatever um and never the one needing stuff um and we'll get back to i mean i'm just i'm the biggest long one she fan (laughs) yeah i freaking love that dude (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i just like the balance of this and i think it made the hurt comfort aspect like really hit bren what you were just saying about long one g um it not seeming like maybe like the emotional things he's going through like outwardly they might not seem like they're impacting him the same way as they are for like Wei Wuxian um is reminding me like today actually the ficlets were talking about the untamed in the server and Dana had shared some photos of Long Wanji that by all accounts if you're just sort of looking at it from a distance they look like pretty neutral expressions <laughs> yeah. um and Cassie had said um like with with the captions being like this besotted motherfucker and whatever, and Cassie <laughs> yeah. had said, um, 
One of my favorite genres of posts about The Untamed is fans being like, look at his expression and people who haven't seen it being confused, (laughs) which was cracking me up. The first time he smiles, which like in a photo would not look like a smile, but in video, you're like, he's basically grinning. (laughs) I wept. (laughs) He is so good. That's beautiful. Um, But yeah, I think to to sort of touch more on um, her comfort and like why it is not a tag I usually seek out is... I feel like especially in my earlier fandoming days, um, I'm thinking honestly a lot of like Marvel, um, my like 2011, 2012 marveling time. A throwback. I feel like a lot of the hurt comfort that I was seeing was like one person being totally, what is the word I'm looking for? Not inept. Nick, you had. Oh, helpless. Well, yes. (laughs) Helpless. Thank you. I was like, I couldn't think of the word yesterday once again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were moving your hands like someone was getting beaten up. No, um, I feel like I saw a lot of like one character being very helpless and the other one needing to completely take care of them. And not that that like never happens in real life, but that was just like so not what I was interested in reading. Um, And I don't know, I feel like maybe it's also like why I've never gravitated towards like sick fic in particular. And it was making me think about in Brenna's birthday episode when we were talking about the Transformers fic where Nick was saying enemies to lovers doesn't really work for them unless fundamentally they are sort of like equals like they're on the same level and that is how I felt about like this fic and like this iteration of Hurt Comfort as Bren was saying that yes like you're in Wei Wuxian's POV and like he is suffering more visibly and like physically like Long Wenji is able to sort of go about his day in his life but they do in many ways I mean they feel equals in terms of like their cultivation worlds and like their skills in that way but more so they also feel like equals in how they feel about each other and the fact that like Taking care of Wei Wuxian is also healing things for Long Wanji. Um, so I just appreciated that a lot. I think, yeah, I think maybe a lot of iterations of Hurt Comfort that I had seen in the past or like maybe that were popular in certain fandoms were so not what I gravitated towards. But when it is done well, as in this fic, it just hits. Yeah, I am someone who absolutely will just go trawling in a Hurt Comfort tag. I tweeted a while ago my theory about Hurt Comfort, which is that it engages either critically or uncritically with the fantasy of perfect safety. Um, And I do think about that quite a lot, this idea of like, if you're feeling bad, it's a very seductive promise that like someone else could just make it better. Um, And in some ways that's true. And in some ways it's not true. And I think that this fic posits a way that it could be very true that someone else could make something better if you allow them to. Um, I am going to read a Tumblr post that I think might, um, it harmed me when I read it positive. So I hope that others might connect with it as well. This is from Tumblr user Totally Fubar, uh, who first said, Get okay with being some level of burden on others, seriously. And then they followed it up with, You know what's a real burden? A person that is so scared of leaning on other people that they try to be completely self-sufficient, and you end up either having to help them indirectly to save their ego, or they have to break down in order to receive help, both of which are so much more heavy to the person that loves them than just being leaned on casually. Uh, Which is a lot. But I think it's something that I do think about in relation to the idea of hurt comfort in relation to the idea of just like relationship and the human nature. Um, I mentioned this with the first fic, and I think that these two fics are kind of opposites in the way that they take on this theme of like, there is no way to exist as an island. It's not even just like, oh, accept help. No one has to do it on their own. It's like you physically can't. That's not how it works. Um, And if you try to, the longer and longer you try to do stuff on your own, the more destruction is going to be in your path. Um, 
because you just weren't able to accept the fact that human beings need each other. We are social creatures. It's a very interesting theme and thing to think about, especially the idea of burden, which I feel like is such a, I don't know. I don't want to say trendy. (laughs) What am I trying to say? This idea that like, I don't know, for me, at least when I was a teenager on the internet, um, I would see a lot of people talking about the fact that they felt burdensome on other people. And it wasn't something that I had ever really considered until I started seeing people talk about it a lot as like a concern or a consideration. And I think everyone tries to think or believe that it's only about themselves and that they don't believe that about anybody else. But obviously there's going to be collateral, even if you're just airing that belief that you don't think applies to other people um, in a public space um, or collateral if you hold that belief and then aren't able to really like engage with other people on the level that you might need to or that they might need you to. This fic feels like such a beautiful case study in what happens when you are leaning on someone and you let yourself and you trust that they want to be helping you. Like that feels like one of the biggest parts that they don't believe that it's burdensome. Like Lan Wangji in this fic is not letting Wei Wuxian believe for one second that this is a problem. He's like stoked. He's like, yeah, well, stoked as stoked as he gets, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene that I thought about so much after I finished reading uh, where he's like, yeah, wake me up in the middle of the night. In fact, it's better if I wake up and I see that you're here because so many times I woke up and you weren't. Uh, the idea that helping someone can be healing in and of itself, like Reed said. I just think this fig balances all of that so beautifully and not a ton of space. I just like it. I just like it so much. It's such a good example of the trope that I already have a very low bar for. Like, I don't care if we're getting like any amount of hurt comfort, I'll often just roll with it. But when it's good, it's so, so good. I think the other thing that's very like seductive to readers about hurt comfort is this idea of like you being given what you deep down need without having to ask for it. Like that's the like ultimate fantasy of hurt comfort, I think. (laughs) And I think this fic takes a very interesting line with that. Like there is only a certain degree to which we as a human can ever truly know what another human needs or desires. Um, the more you know someone, the more you might be able to guess. <laughs> um, and you know their preferences and you know their likes and you can read their emotions and you could say, hmm, I know this person's having a hard day and maybe I should get them a little treat on my way home from work or whatever. Um, or, oh, maybe my partner really wants to watch this show and I'll make sure I have to find time to watch it with them or whatever. But without a need being communicated directly, it is unfair to think the other person can just automatically guess it and I think this is something that like I know I have struggled with is like not wanting to ask for things in that like in an emotional sense um and I think it's something that in fic is kind of often skipped over is like somehow the once once the characters are together they can also like magically read each other's minds and mind reading drives me up a wall I can't do it (laughs) it stresses me out so much but something I love about this fic is that there's a certain amount that Long Wanji is just able to give to Wei Wuxian like especially in terms of sort of the physical closeness and the comfort through the nightmares and stuff like that. But this deep down hurt that belongs to both of them of Wei Wuxian not staying because Long Wanji never asked because Long Wanji didn't think he needed to ask and Wei Wuxian desperately needed to be asked because he needed to hear it out loud. Like that did have to be spoken aloud to be able to be comforted. And I really like that balance of the, there is so much that we can know about the other person and be able to read them and be able to offer an amount of comfort. And yet like there is still this barrier to things that like 
because we are different people, we still have to talk about it um, to resolve it. And <laughs> shaking their head. Oh, I'm just, I am literally just thinking about Long Wenji and Wei Wuxi, and I got emotional thinking about my, one of my own brain spirals. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, Reed, we have to talk about it as yeah, humans. Yeah. No, I was I was a little bit listening to you, but I was mostly um I was looking at my own notes and read a line that made me emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> Extremely valid. Um anyway, to wrap it up, I think that's what works really well for me about this feeling like really fulfilling hurt comfort too, is that again, it's just the balance of everything between the two characters and the balance of like fulfilling this fantasy sort of for the reader, but also grounding it in them actually having to have these like adult conversations about their desires. I just want to add to what Brenna was saying that I think part of what makes like really intense hurt comfort or like very wumpy hurt comfort appealing too is that if you or the character is like pushed to a breaking point, then they don't have to say it out loud for people to not know that they're or for people to know that they're not okay. And I think that's something that I find really, really like compelling and interesting as a theme in fiction. I think even with that though, it's like I've read so many where it's like a certain portion of them is healed because those are the visible injuries now. But there's there's still a psychological part often deep down that like might not have been addressed. Yeah, yeah. Um and sometimes I'm really mad at the lump fix because I'm like, stop just like heart like putting yourself in harmful situations because you just can't say one <laughs> sentence to someone who already loves you. Anyway. Motivational speaker, Brenna. At the Wumped Character Convention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think it is so good, too, how, like, when Wei Wuxian is literally in Long Wanji's bed letting himself be cared for, he is thinking about, like, how much he loves Long Wanji. And he has the thought, like, he knows that Long Wanji loves and cares about him. He just doesn't know if it's in exactly the same way that he feels. Like, he doesn't know if the, like, romantic side of it is really reciprocated and then at the end when you sort of get Long Wanji being like I are you I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with you you are the only one for me ever um god in contrast to the Chanlik's fic <laughs> there's a bit where like they're hooking up and Wuxian's like have you ever done this before and Long Wanji's like who who else mm -hmm. would it be like there's no one else it's only you it will only ever be you it only ever has been you I'm screaming I'm screaming I'm screaming I'll never stop screaming <laughs> In my heart, because yeah. um, I don't think it'll make for good audio if you just listen to me wail. Yeah, Brenna You're the one that would have did to a silent wail. It, to be fair, well, <laughs> it's more like I don't. I would feel bad subjecting the ficlets to three minutes of Brenna and I just going ah back and forth I, at each I other. Can go ah too. That's true. It can be a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Donate to our Ko-Fi and we'll send you. Wang Xian screaming. Oh my god. Dot Sorry, us screaming about Wang Xian. <laughs> Not ASMR. <laughs> we can do an ASMR version too. <gasps> okay, yeah, this is true. good business. Hello, it's time for me to do the thing that I always love to do, which is read lines that make me bonkers. Ooh. Great, thank you. Everyone's on board. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in the fic, um, which I was looking at, which made me shake my head when Brenna was speaking, where Wei Wuxian is just peacefully playing music for bunnies, and I felt deeply fucking emotional about it. But someone, yeah, but someone walks in. Sorry, the yeah was to Brenna's wailing <laughs> face. <laughs> Um, but Wei Wuxian is just sort of like peacefully existing and a lawn sect disciple cultivator kind of comes across him and is absolutely fucking petrified. As Brenna had sort of said a little while ago, um, many people just view him as the yielding patriarch and they're terrified of him and the horrible crimes he might commit. And sort of towards the end of the fic, when we have our getting together, uh, Long Wenji finds out that somebody was mean to Wei Wuxian and he's like, who is it? Who is it? And Wei Wuxian says... 
Lanjan, in my life, I have hurt people and scared people and killed people. I have been someone else's nightmare. And I am glad, every single day, that you've forgiven me for that. And the kids have, and Jin Ling, but nobody owes me that. And I've been punished enough, I hope, one way or another. But you can't just make people not hate me. Which, <sighs> my notes under that were, I am screaming, I will never stop screaming. And then also, love surviving and growing in all its improbable defiance. Because that really is just like Wang Xian to me, is the like, it's 16 years of Long Wenji suffering and grieving and still having this enduring love that will not die, that will always be there. And I just, <laughs> it's the most romantic thing to ever be written in history. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Reed. So this fic is largely about connection and also believing that people can heal. Um, and I find something very beautiful about not only that, but also the end to this author's end notes, uh, where they talk a little bit about how, like, it's just been a weird time and writing this draft was hard. And they end the last author's note with, stay safe, stay healthy, I love you, I hope you aren't alone. I just really appreciate how much I think, and as, and as I say this, we're wrapping up my birthday episode, so I get to talk about whatever I want to, uh, is the rule I heard. <laughs> I think for me, so much of what I love about fandom and fic, and I've said this before in different ways, is the fact that we love something so much that we want to give it to each other and share that with each other and bounce the love between as many of us as we can and just watch it grow. Um, and so I'm just so appreciative of that, of this author and this author's note and of our silly little pod where we get to do that even more, of the people that listen to it. Um, yeah, so just thanks for listening to this discussion of Hunter Seeking Solid Ground by Attila and also for tuning into our show at all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more of FitClick, you can find us on Twitter at FitClick. You can email us at fitclickpod at gmail.com. You can join our Discord server where maybe I will quote you randomly in an episode and launch you into viral fame. So if that's something you're seeking, I would recommend checking out that community. It's a pretty good one. Many, many ways to enjoy FitClick. Figlets, if you would like to contribute or donate monetarily or financially to the podcast, you can. Congratulations. Uh, you've been clamoring. Uh, we've had ways to for a while now, but in case you're just now getting caught up and you're like, oh my gosh, I can do so many things. We have merchandise that you are welcome to purchase. It is on our Redbubble, which is linked on our Twitter, uh, Designs by Brenna in front of the pod Tiffany. Uh, they're very cute. You can get them on all kinds of things. I went home for the holidays and my mom was using her AO3 user blank mug, as she often does, <laughs> though she doesn't really know what it means. So you can match with her if you would like to. Um, you can also donate to our Ko-Fi, uh, ko-fi.com slash fitclick. Uh, we use all of that money to go back into the podcast for our hosting costs and for any like software or anything. If we, if we have extra, we upgrade stuff. Um, yeah. We've learned that statistically the best way that we grow is through word of mouth. Thank you to Spotify Wrapped for proving <laughs> that to us. Um, if you'd like to recommend us to your friends, we would absolutely love that. Um, also, speaking of recommendations, if you participated in this year's rec exchange or were just aware of its happening, um, our master list of recs that have been wrecked is now up. You can find it on our Twitter and our Tumblr um, or a link in the Discord if you are there. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. It's over 100 pages of amazing quality fanfiction wrecks from beautiful people in our community. Um, 
Thank you to all who participated in the Rec Exchange, and we are really excited to see hopefully even more of you next year in 2023's Rec Exchange. Um, you do have many months to get ready for this, yes. um, but you know, just you can mentally start preparing now It'll if you come want. Before you know it, every year we're surprised. <laughs> yeah, so true. Our next episode will be coming out on February 3rd. It is a very special themed episode, so look forward to that. Brenna, what fic are you bringing for that episode? My fic for next episode is Days and Years by HK After Dark. Uh, this is a fic for the K-pop group Shiny, and the relationship is Minho and Ki. Um, this is a canon-compliant getting-together fic that I am very excited to discuss. Nick, what's your pick? My pick for next episode is A Field Guide to Common Birds in New York City by AO3 user Toft. It's for the TV show Person of Interest, and the pairing is John Reese slash Harold Finch. Read. And my pick is Sing Each Song Twice Over by Uranea. For Hockey RPF, uh, this time the pairing is Sid Gino. It is post-retirement fic. Thank you again to a friend of the pod, Kate, for coming and hanging out and chatting Chanlix with us. Very appreciated. Uh, like she said, you can find her at Twitter, at Noonwitch. And you can find her on AO3 at Noonwitching. You should read Godlight and then read Shorelight <laughs> after that and then come talk to me about them because they are so good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for the shameless plug. I got it. <laughs> I love not having to do it myself. <laughs> Well, Thicklets, I'm off to visit places where I didn't confess my love to people. Bye! <laughs> Thicklets, I'm going to take a solo trip to Sydney. Uh, I'm going to have a lovely glass of wine and look out at the Sydney Harbor, and I am not going to think about all of my past regrets and mistakes. Okay, bye! Thicklets, I have a date with my very nice and normal partner where the specter of someone who once loved me will hang over us the entire time. Bye! Thicklets, I'm going to go sit in my car and cry over a song that somebody who still probably loves me wrote for me and is now everywhere and everybody has to hear it and know about my sadness. So, bye! Bye!